Hey gang, this is Lisa Peck, and welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck podcast. I am so excited about helping you learn how to be more relationally attuned. In a world filled with struggles and conflict and tension, I hope to make relational health fun and easy. Not all of us need therapy, not all of us can afford therapy, but I believe all of us can grow more wise and insightful and engaging in the connections we have with ourselves, with others, and with our God. I'm convinced that all of us can learn the art of calm, of awareness, and of investing relationally. Through my podcast, I hope to give you an opportunity to listen and maybe even practice with your own people. And in so doing, together, we get to help usher in a relational revival. Welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck. Hey friends, well, here we are in November. It is a downhill slide into the holiday season and the end of the year. For the next several podcasts, I'm going to be interviewing folks who have experienced loss. Grief is a really painful experience for all of us, yet it is a reality and nothing like the holidays to stir that pain to the surface or simply intensify it. Here at Revive, we want to help everyone experience these challenging moments with the greatest amount of ease and health as possible. I figured since November is typically devoted to giving thanks, why not discuss some heavy and hard while practicing gratitude? It actually makes it a little more bearable. We get to offer a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. For some, giving thanks through grief is tough stuff. You will need some help. It's what makes this interview with Silly so powerful. I met Cecilia Uzzolino, her friends call her Silly, while ministering at Windshape Retreat in Rome, Georgia. Many of you know, my husband and I work with Center for Relational Care doing marriage intensives there. Silly and her husband, Bill, were host couples. Those are the people serving and caring for the needs of the couples and the therapists, so we're able to stay focused on the hard work of healing marriages. Bill was a New Jersey Italian transplanted to Texas who also worked in Georgia. He's best known for his trivia around the table helping the couples work together while waiting for their meals. At least that's what he said. The truth is he knew how tentative and vulnerable the couples were feeling. His trivia was a way to help them have something to do to try to diminish their anxiety. He'd sing and tell jokes while Silly did much of the serving until she'd give him a simple look and he'd refocus himself on their task of serving. We loved Bill. His loss was completely unexpected. Her story of losing him is tender for sure, yet listen for her response to the unexpected. I hope it speaks to your hearts like it did to mine. Well, good morning, Silly. Thank you so much for being with me this morning to have a conversation about a subject that's not actually an easy thing to talk about, but it's an important one as we head into the holidays. Okay, well, good morning to you, Lisa, and thank you so much for just wanting to explore this um, this part of women's journey when they lose their spouse and death, and it is something that uh, you really don't prepare your, you know, you can't be prepared for it, but I would love to just share parts of 
uh, my journey with you and your listeners. I wonder, could you just tell our listeners, tell me a little bit about your grief experience, about losing Bill, and then about the ministry of Touchstone and how it developed? So um, my husband and I had been married almost 49 well, it had been 49 and a half years and, uh, when he passed away. Actually, he graduated to heaven, is how I like to put it. But he um, woke up New Year's Eve 2015 and just with some pain. And so we took him to the hospital and uh, 12 hours later, he had passed away. So myself and my children and our grandchildren most everybody was there at the hospital for those 12 hours. Mm. And so we, we didn't even, we weren't prepared for this. So we didn't even get to tell him bye. We were there with him, but it was so unusual the, wow. the way it happened that we immediately went into shock, everybody. Yeah. And just the reality was, it took a while for that to really, you know, set in. Sink in. That's a big, yes. oh, that's a yes. big loss. And to not have the, to be there, but to not even realize these are his last hours on earth. That's disconcerting, silly. Yes, yes. And so not only did um, I lose my husband, but my girls, their daddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have nine grandchildren and they're, their granddaddy was gone and then my son-in-laws who loved my husband so so it just um you know it was it was shocking plus our home here in Wimberley Texas had flooded with when heavy rains came for about eight hours and Wasn't this like the second or the third time? The second time that our little home had flooded. Almost, it lacked one day being two years to the very day. My goodness. So not only did I, I no longer had a husband, but I no longer had a home. And I no longer had a a ministry with my husband. So anyway, so we, after the flood, my husband and I moved in with our daughter and her family that lived here in Wimberley, uh, they cleaned out the play room and said, here, y'all live here while your home is being restored. So that's what we did. And we were still in the midst of grieving over that. Um, You know, a home is just a thing, but it is a home when that is your safe place you go to that's your source of security that's a physical representation of our security yes yes way so you guys were in the midst of a flood for the second time so you all were living on sean and christina's property yes on Mm -hmm. on uh new year's eve the night that he died yes yes so so you know when i think about how God was orchestrating. He didn't want, you know, the flood to happen, but he orchestrated, helped use that to put me in a place where I would feel safe mm-hmm. and um, I would be with my kids, you know, and my grandchildren. So it was just seeing God's hand and his love holding me and surrounding me was 
was overwhelming mm. to me, but it was so comforting at the same time. Do you know, Silly, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about you. It doesn't matter what dark, hard, heavy thing you face. You are seeking the solace and the security of the Lord no matter what happens. And that is not easy to do when you've had the kind of extensive loss that you describe. But I'm so grateful that you can see he, he even nestled you right in around your kids so that yes. you didn't have to experience aloneness at quite such a dark place. That's right. You know, the the morning that we all got back to Wimberley after uh, my husband passed away, uh, one of my son-in-law circled us up and just prayed. And, you know, he said, Lord, silly may experienced loneliness in the days and months and years to come but she will never be alone Mm -hmm. and that really i embraced that and Mm -hmm. uh and it is true because had i not had the foundation of a faith and a heavenly papa Mm -hmm. and family and friends and the church i I definitely would not be in the place of healing that I am now, Lisa. Absolutely. Well, you were diligent for that, to do that. But I love your son-in-law's prayers. It sounds like he already just, God was directing yeah. the, the prayers to cover and to prepare you. Can, yeah. can you share with us how did Touchstone develop? What is Touchstone and how did it develop from this place of incredible loss? Okay. The Lord had uh, put me in a relationship with two beautiful friends um, through a Bible study when we first moved to Wimberley. And uh, their names are Debbie and Laurie. And little did I know that we would have a a friendship in this the way that we have now Mm -hmm. through being widows so when when they found out that my husband had passed away they were here Mm -hmm. they showed up immediately they didn't say lots of words but they were present they were intentional Mm -hmm. with calling me to go to coffee, lunch, dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, they knew what I was feeling. So out of our relationship, I guess it had been about a, a year and a half, I walked up to Laurie one morning at church and I said, Laurie, I just I believe that the Lord wants we three girls to Uh, do something with widows. Were they widows when you befriended them when you first moved? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so Laurie said, well, let me tell you, I had a dream slash vision and it was about widows. The three of us were in a place and there were widows. Wow. All around us, just standing there waiting and so we just began pressing in with the Lord and praying. And, and then a year and a half later, Touchstone Ministry began. And it is through our church. It's mm. considered a, a community group. 
but we uh, we have widows come that aren't that aren't even Christians, and some that don't go to any church. Immediately, we had several uh, in our group, and so Touchstone came to that name came to Debbie one day when we were visiting and praying about it. And she said, Lord, just we want to be a touchstone to these women. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the name of the ministry mm -hmm. began. We just want to be a place, a safe place yes. for women to come and tell their story and or just sit and we'll weep with them or we'll laugh with them. And mm -hmm. so. So it's just a place where women can come in fellowship and yes. having, I've not lost my husband, but having lost my parents at a pretty young age, yes. I am aware there are, when I'm around people that are, that have experienced loss, uh -huh. there's just a knowing inside of us. We don't even yes. have to have words. There's just a new understanding. And it sounds like that's what the Lord used you and Lori and Debbie to touch in these women so it didn't it goes beyond our faith it goes beyond race it goes beyond education yeah. level or socioeconomic level it is the place of our pain is where we are finding fellowship and community and yes. out of that it sounds like the lord is able to touch women in that place yes and what's been exciting too lisa as we have ministered to them we too have been ministered to and mm. it's helped us in our healing process and some have even told us that they have been in contact with other widows and telling mm. them about our group and some have gone to each other like you know most widows have to work or mm -hmm. you know uh, the financial situation changes yes. immediately. Yes. And so I just hear them saying, yes, I went by to check on so-and-so. And that's really what our heart is, is for them to be able to reach out to others, you know. Uh, out of what they've received and somebody yes. reaching out and touching them and being intentional yes. to pursue their hearts out of the fullness of that, then they're able to do the very same thing. And isn't yes. that what discipleship is? Exactly. Wow. When you think now, it's it's almost three years since you lost yes. Bill. If you yes. were to coach somebody going through their own grief, what would you suggest for her? I'm still learning as I'm going uh, forward. Mm -hmm. You know, the Lord immediately put those words on my lips right after Yuzo passed away. And I would see people and they would say, how are you doing? And I, I would say, well, I'm going forward in grief. Right. And so I think um, it's it's very hard to go forward most days, but it's a very intentional thing one has to choose to do. But the isolation is 
it doesn't nourish much of anything in us, especially in that place of being a widow. So I would say try not to isolate. I found out that as I would go on the back porch of my children's home, in fact, I, I started calling it the healing porch. Mm-hmm. I would sit in the sun and uh, in the sunshine and just bask in Father's love and in the Word and just uh, just sit right. and cry or whatever I needed to do. So mm-hmm. I think... Um, some things I have learned about grief is that grief is not an enemy mm-hmm. or a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. but it's a sign of being human. Mm-hmm. And one of my my friends said, silly, the reason you're grieving and you feel so sad is because Bill is worth grieving. Yes, And that really released me to grieve even deeper mm-hmm. as I needed to. It was spoken to me that my demonstration of grief was simply a reflection of the love I had for the people that I lost. Wow, so it gives, yeah. a, it gives a freedom to feel your feelings because in, I think especially in America, we don't celebrate tears and hurt and sorrow and pain we seek to avoid it and so but what you're saying is you would literally go to the healing porch and just allow yourself to marinate in whatever feelings came up and it doesn't sound like they were all bad it sounds like you even had some things that were good grateful for bill grateful for the lord grateful for your friends and family to surround you but it is hard to be intentional to feel those heavy feelings isn't it yes and grief like you really were saying it's a unique journey Mm. and i learned as i woke each day that i must choose healing Mm. and that it is a process everyone's healing journey and process Mm will be different and there's no time limit on Mm. grief Mm -mm. and most of God's purpose for our lives involve relationships so most of my healing process involves relationships mine with the Lord my relationship with others Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm learning that when when I embraced great grief it became an all-encompassing teacher Mm. because I thought I knew what God's goodness was and looked like Mm. but he consistently shows me Mm. how big his goodness is and that it looks different each time he shows me that part of his character Mm. and so as I experience his goodness I want other women to know it I just get so excited Mm. you know when I've learned something new about the father and so Mm. I think that grief often lasts longer than we expected it to Mm -hmm. you know someone will say well how long have you 
been a widow or, or how long do you think it took you to do feel this or be able to do that and it it really is just different for every person mm-hmm. but I do know that if we allow grief to have its process, then I don't have to worry about bumping into huge pieces of the grief that I didn't deal with. I think it's impossible to deal with all of it because, mm-hmm. you know, as a widow, we we don't have the skills to do this new journey we're on. So we have to learn new skills to live a life. Absolutely. But I also hear being intentional with your heart sorrow, not avoiding it and not, I mean, not camping out in it and, you know, wallowing or, you know, not getting out of bed ever. Although I, you know, I know there are some seasons where people do need to just, have a little bit more fatigue and exhaustion and it's harder to get out of bed. That is part of the process, but I'm also hearing it's a, it's an intentional choice every day to press through. And for some women, it's moment by moment. Absolutely. uh, My friend Debbie whispered this sweet thing in my ear right after my husband passed away. And she said, silly, be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't know what that would look like for me, Mm -hmm. but I have learned uh, that to, when I felt sad, just feel sad. If I felt angry, feel angry. Mm -hmm. But what my son-in-law, Sean, one morning I just woke up and I was angry Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, a little further down the road in my grief and I didn't know what to do with it. It was that I felt that that deeply. And he said, well, just go sit down and write all the things you're angry about. And it was several pages. Mm -hmm. It was a way of releasing that anger. Mm -hmm. So I really have, at least I've tried to journal from day one, my thoughts or if I was having a conversation with my husband or just, you know, my feelings. And it really seemed to help. I think in our Touchstone ministry, we encourage that to journal. And uh, some of our girls who've never journaled before have uh, learned the importance of it. Right. I I spoke on previous podcasts about the very thing you are describing with just kind of learning how to become a little bit more comfortable with Mm -hmm. introspection and and thinking we called it reflective functioning and then also did a podcast on journaling because those are imperative I I don't think it's just in grieving I know it's incredibly beneficial during grieving but I think it's true for most of us when we're trying to traverse a situation that involves emotions that can sometimes feel really confusing it helps to give some objectivity it helps to just do a brain dump and it sounds like Sean's encouragement was very helpful for you through a hard part of your grieving season Yes. Yeah. Okay, we have just a minute left. If you were to practically share with friends and family 
of those who are grieving. We're moving into the holidays. Could you give one or two things that would be important for friends and family to know, especially of widows, but maybe anybody experiencing loss? Yes. Well, for me and most of the girls in our ministry have voiced this. I want to, I wanted to talk about my man. Yes. And I wanted to look at the pictures. I wanted to see the videos on everybody's phones and my girls and their families. They, they wanted to talk about dad and daggy. And so that has been helpful for me and my friends. They, they want to talk about him and there's you know there's always tears but that's good tears bring comfort for sure for me and my family and Mm. my friends i think people family and friends remembering the day that Mm. that person passes on Mm -hmm. has been important Mm. Um, like my friend laurie she her and her kids get together and they have a celebration Mm. and they did that just two weeks ago. Her husband has been deceased for nine years now. And so she wants her, her grandchildren to know Jay and to Mm. know what kind of person he was and to just keep him alive in their memories Mm. and so I think that's important for most widows Mm -hmm. or it can be Mm -hmm. and I think traditions uh, around the holidays I wanted my family close Mm. (laughs) and and if a widow doesn't have family that's when if I mean, the church is just so important to step up and mm-hmm. and be a part of that. And then your friends, just, you know, invite them, have mm-hmm. them be a part of the holidays. Mm-hmm. But there is something sacred about, you know, when it's July 22nd on that was mine and my husband's anniversary. Mm-hmm. That is very sacred, and I just have some things that I do yes. uh, by myself. Being with other people, I think, helps remove or helps lessen the sadness. Mm-hmm. You know, grief keeps going on and on right. for however long. But the sadness, Lisa, was was so deep at times and for most widows it is and that's the the place I finally told the Lord I I think I can do the grief but this sadness is too heavy to bear Mm. and so one of my friends in San Angelo texted me and she said silly the Lord gave me the scripture in James bear one another's burdens Mm -hmm. And she said the word bear means to be staked next to wow. with someone. And she said, I have been staked with you yes. in this journey. Absolutely. And so we need to stake ourselves with other widows when that opportunity arises. And it, there is a cost to that. Yes, there is. But I, I'm hearing 
that you wanted the freedom to be able to talk about Bill and to, yeah. that tears were refreshing and healing and you didn't want to cry those tears by yourself. I'm hearing that remembering the death date and anniversaries and birthdays, that's significant. And yeah. to press in, to not leave you alone, to, but to seek you out, to be intentional with our care. And it's going to cost. It's going to, yes. it's not an easy thing, but there's a, a profound and a sacred blessing that happens when we give that to our loved ones, but also as a widow, when you receive that, it sounds like yes. it's just a sacred blessing for you. Yes. Well, and you know, I was teaching our our Bible study that we've been going through in our Touchstone group, and there are widows are mentioned seven over 70 times in the scripture. So that I told the girls, I said, that means God, our Father, values us so much and loves us so much that, that we are in the scriptures a lot. Mm -hmm. And so some of them didn't have any idea that we were even mentioned in the Bible. Right. Well, so, and isn't it in James where it says religion is ministering to the yeah. orphans and to the widows? Yes. That is what our religion is, that term yeah. that James uses. And you're living that. I am I'm so humbled and grateful. Again, I I think of the stories that Bill used to tell around the table. <laughs> Silly yes. jokes, crazy trivia. The man knew yes. history better than any human being that I knew, even my history yes. professors. <laughs> <laughs> and he's worth celebrating and talking about. Yeah. I'm so, I just am so grateful that you would be willing to share the tenderness of this because this is still a very fresh heart wound for you, Silly. But I love how you are seeking to enable God to have glory, even in the midst of one of the hardest pains you've ever had to walk through. And I'm yes. so grateful, my friend. Yes. Not long ago, he said, Silly, even though you are still grieving but you are victorious mm -hmm. so that's so i tell the girls in our group that we are victors not victims yes. and that is a mindset we don't want to bear mm -hmm. being a victim no. so and god doesn't you know the lord wants us to walk in wholeness and but we can't by ourselves that's so right. I encourage women and others to reach out to widows and other widows to reach out mm -hmm. to for help Absolutely. because it's okay. We cannot do this alone. God didn't create us that way, did he? Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. Well, I know that Touchstone is a ministry in your church. I know there may be some listeners who are curious. Um, so I'm just going to have them contact me. If anybody is in, interested in more information, you can reach me either on my website, revivewithlisapeck.com, or you can email me at connect at revivewithlisapeck.com, and I will connect with silly and see if we can answer any questions or get the help that is needed if you want to reach out so yes 
And I do want to say, Lisa, in our group, we meet once a month, but we meet other times and do fun things. Nice. We don't just sit around and cry right. and tell our <laughs> stories. We do. We've been kayaking and canoeing and uh, we go to dinner and yeah. Have all kinds so of fun. It's a balanced, it's a balanced yes. ministry. It yes. isn't just we're going to mourn. You also That's do some right. rejoicing together. Yes. Yes, because there is life after the death of the spouse so i want we always want the girls to go away with hope absolutely yeah absolutely well my sweet friend thank you so so much for talking with my listeners today what an incredible blessing thank you so much and uh, blessings to you thank you wow such wisdom silly shared Losing a loved one like a spouse of almost 50 years is excruciating. I appreciate that she didn't oversimplify her experience with spiritual platitudes because grieving is complicated and it is different for everyone. It's apparent, however, that she has remained deeply connected to our Lord through this season. It's so refreshing to hear how she has integrated her loss of Bill into the foundation of her faith journey. And she's not. She is not doing it alone. I'd like to highlight several important points Silly made in our conversation. Number one, she is honest with herself and with others. When Bill graduated to heaven, she was honest when people asked. She didn't deny her loss, but she didn't camp out in self-pity either. She simply stated, I'm going forward in my grief. I must choose healing. Number two, she is intentional about facing her grief. I loved the profound statement. When I embraced grief, it became an all-consuming teacher. She shared of a place in her home, her healing porch, where she sought to connect to her pain and to God's presence. Not all of us have a specific place in our homes to set apart for the work of grieving, though I think it's a marvelous idea. However, the more important message was Silly made the choice daily, even moment by moment, to notice her heart sorrow, to embrace it, and to learn from it. This is also a valuable way we honor the memory of our loved one, remembering what we missed. Number three, she stays in community, connected. Silly stated clearly, grief is not an enemy or a weakness. And most of her healing happened in relationships with others, family, friends, and other widows. In fact, one such friend taught her that bearing another's burdens, spoken of in the book of Galatians, means to be staked next to. I think of the tomato plants in my grandma's garden. They always had stakes to help hold them up as they grew. What a beautiful metaphor of what has to happen as we grieve. Isolation, though very tempting when we've had a loss, is not nourishing. Remaining connected is another healthy strategy for walking through a painful season of grief. Lastly, she remains patient and gracious with herself. Silly describes grief as a unique journey with no time limit for its ending. Early in her journey, a friend reminded her to be very kind to herself. 
For some of us, this can prove really difficult and even starts with others having to remind us before it becomes a habit of our own mind. When asked what she'd like others to know, I found her answers insightful. She said she and her family wanted to talk about Bill a lot and wanted others to be sure to remember special dates like anniversaries or birthdays, but especially the death date because it's a sure bet the grieving person hasn't forgotten. She shared that the holidays or with special family traditions, she longed for her family to be close. It helped to provide her security. I've known some, however, who cannot be around family or friends because the pain feels too intense or loved ones want life to be normal and it isn't. These folks may need to get away for the holiday or a special event. Again, let's remember grace and patience. In fact, I remember after my dad died, my mom had died a year and a half earlier. I refused to go home for Christmas. I was mad and sad and did not want to feel the pressure I imposed on myself to pretend as if everyone was happy. In retrospect, no one had that expectation, but I was convinced it was true. Again, patience and grace come in really handy in this season. To add to what Zilly shared, I coach those who love someone who has experienced a loss to press into another's grief. Don't pull away. Grieving people need to talk about it again and again. For those of us listeners, let's cinch up our belts and hang on for the ride. Grief lasts longer than any of us would imagine. Many of us do well around grieving people for the first three to six months. But after that, we want life to move on. But with a major loss, that is not possible. It's as if time stands still as we remind our heart to beat again. By the time a grieving person is ready to move on through life again, we feel lost in that everyone has moved on. Why haven't I? Cloud of dust. Learning how to move on can be particularly difficult for those grieving. Wasn't it beautiful? to hear how God intervened in Zilly's heart, prompting her to reach out to another widow with the idea of gathering fellow grievers to come together to share the hurt, the memories, and the fun. I love the relevancy of her community group, Touchstone. Once a month, these widows gather together to care for each other. It's a safe place designed by God for women to have their hearts nourished. Silly ended with a vibrant reminder that God encouraged her through her process. Though she was still grieving, her mindset needed to be as a victor, not a victim. And it was her conviction that to establish and maintain that mindset, one cannot do it alone. What a beautiful reminder for all of us, not just those who have experienced loss. Well, I'll be devoting the remainder of this month to others who have lived with loss. As ironic as it may sound, death is a part of the life cycle. I pray all of us can increase our awareness and skill set in addressing the pain of loss with a few more insights and tools. Action steps for this month will be harder because not all of us have experienced loss or know someone who has. But I will encourage those of you who have learned something from this conversation and realize that you missed it with someone grieving in the past, go and acknowledge it. 
take initiative to reach out and offer a redo, even if it's years later. It might sound like, hey, I've been learning about the process of grieving and loss, and I don't think I handled your heart in the best way when you were experiencing that difficult season. Will you forgive me? I wish I would have, and then fill in the blanks. Maybe you say, I wish I would have mourned with you rather than giving you a pep talk. Or I wish I would have been more patient with you rather than pushing you to be okay faster than you were ready to be. Or maybe, I wish I hadn't pulled away from you as if grieving were contagious. I see now that I left you alone in a very dark season because of my awkwardness. Simply own it. Apologize for it. Practice saying it differently. You never know the impact that your taking ownership can have. Okay, folks, and mark your calendars for the first Saturday of December. I'm going to be offering another Revive workshop that's going to be open to everyone, men, women, even teenagers. If you haven't subscribed to my website, just jump over there now at revivewithlisapeck.com and do it. That way you can stay abreast of the latest happenings with Revive teachings and our products. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and leave your feedback. I'll close our time today with the words of Paul Young, the author of The Shack, Every human being is holy ground, if we have the eyes to see it. Until next time.